Here we are at Pod and Market. Our guest today is Majesty. Majesty is a two-time platinum-selling songwriter from Newark. For years, she has been the phenomenal songwriter behind some of the industry's most familiar voices, with Billboard charting records for artists such as Rihanna, Melanie Fiona, and Victoria Beckham. She's been fortunate to sell more than 200,000 records worldwide. For the first time in her career, Majesty has released her first album. Uh, it's represented here as 111, or the capital I, capital I, capital I, but it's up to you how you will read that. Um, this is a pretty exciting episode for me. This is um, my first guest where uh, the guest actually approached the show and asked to come on. And um, I've spent a lot of time you know, bringing guests on and searching for cool ideas and to have someone come on and ask to be on is a pretty proud moment for me, but also really exciting because it allows uh, voices that I may be missing to come on. So I really encourage our listeners um, to, if they have ideas, to email the show because um, we actually are looking out for new ideas, new guests, um, new topics to talk about. Um, so um, with that being said... Um, I love music. Um, I'm not the most proficient in it. Um, so it's going to be really exciting because I'm also going to be led in this conversation um, through the songwriting process, through the artistic journey, um, particularly in music. Um, so I'm going to turn it over to Majesty and I'm going to have her start by talking about her, who she is actually, and, and where she's from. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. It's great to be here. Great to be back in Newark. I am Alicia Majesty Brooks. I was born in Newark, New Jersey, same hospital as Shaquille O'Neal. Shout out to Columbus. Yes. <laughs> I actually grew up two blocks away from Columbus Hospital, <laughs> right Be there. Yeah, beautiful. And um, I'm back home. I actually was here, um, started my career here, did a lot of music here, writing. I used to come down here on Broad Street and um, Broad and Market and buy uh, my bootleg instrumentals. Because <laughs> back in the day, you know, you get an album or something, it didn't really come with the instrumentals, but mm. you can come down here and find your favorite hit record and the instrumental that corresponded with it. And so that's how I started songwriting. And um, it has led me to be who I am today. So, Do you still come to Broad and Market to look for instrumentals? I don't know if there, is there still that kind of culture there? It's funny. Actually, well, now I get, I've get i been blessed with, uh, quote-unquote, industry beats, so I don't nice. have to. And, of course, YouTube um, is a huge supplier of those things. But um, it was a great thing when I started because I was able to find songs that were hit records already and then be able to find the corresponding track to it and say, well, can I rewrite this hit record? And if it was pretty good, it was like, okay, at least I know it wasn't just the track. I actually could do something with it. So it kind of helped me start my career. Um, yeah. Wow. Um, so actually, that's a really great point to start from um, this sort of life, you know, in the industry and having access to um, that those professional tools that yeah. make an artist, you know, really um, sound proficient and competent. But um, it, so you have a TED talk that I actually watched uh, online. It's available. You did it at Georgetown, if I yes. remember correctly. Um, I don't want to rehash that that entire story, but I would love to um, sort of hit some similar points that you did in that and sort of talking about you know, going from, um, um, you know, being a teenager and having artistic visions to becoming an actual um, artist. Um, can you talk a little bit about your journey from, you know, your beginnings to, to now? Yeah, when I was a kid, I always felt like I, I belonged in the industry. I always thought I was famous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, just getting on the bus and riding on, you know, Grove Street or anything like that. You know, you feel like sometimes you feel like this, this might be my path. And I think from that vision, I just started to call people. And I had a substitute teacher that was like, hey, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, you know, I want to be a songwriter. And she invited me to a studio right down here in Newark, and I got a chance to do that. And over the years, just meeting more people, reaching out to more people. And before I knew it, I was in a studio on South 18th Street. Wow. Um, they didn't charge me any studio time. They just said, well, come on in. It was a pretty rough area but I was able to kind of get in there and and just do my thing and I was never one thing about my journey is I was never uh treated poorly I was never you know you hear a lot of uh stories about especially females in the mm -hmm. industry um getting you know just any kind of abuse and I never experienced any of that uh in my career so it gave me more confidence to just keep going I got a call from a guy named uh Pitt Conley who heard my music and said hey he's from East Orange he lived in Virginia Beach, and that's what kind of drew me out of the area. I went down to Virginia Beach, started doing my thing. Within a year, I was working with Damon Dash, Rockefeller Records. 
Um, did a few records with ODB and yeah. uh, that was fun. Wow. Didn't didn't think I'd ever meet him in person, <laughs> and that was cool. And then that's how the Victoria Beckham thing uh, happened. And after that, I did something with Diddy. About a year later, a year after that, it was Ponder Replay Rihanna. And oh my God. <laughs> I love you just dropping these names of like, oh yeah, there's you know it's Diddy and Rihanna <laughs> and ODB. Oh my God. Um, I mean, this sounds really exciting, but um, how scary is that? You know, to leave home, right? And yeah. Uh, embark on that kind of um, that journey. Well, I, I hate to use that word, but it is a journey. Like, were you afraid at the time, or was this just felt natural to you? I'm I'm a teen parent. I was yeah. I was pregnant at 14. I don't think there's anything scarier than that. Mm. And then when you have to, how are you going to feed this kid? How are you going to? What are you going to do? You know, everyone wants to know what you're going to do. And um, I think once I made a decision. I'm not going to work at Wendy's forever. I'm not going to wait tables forever. I'm going to be a songwriter. I literally wrote it down on a piece of paper and said, I'm going to be a professional songwriter. But what happened was once I got into it, once I had that success, I think it got scarier once the success hit. Because when I was just running around trying to make it, it was, it was cool. You know, it was, you had that hunger, you had that drive, you know why you're doing it. But once you become a millionaire, you kind of forget why you got yourself into this mm -hmm. mess in the first place, because the money doesn't really do it for you. Yeah, it's funny. You use the word success there. I'm wondering, how do you define success? Like, it, it, you obviously could put a dollar figure on it and be like, I'm going to make this much. Um, but I'd imagine as someone who sees themselves as an artist, as a someone with vision, um, what does success look like? You know, what, how, do you, how do you set goals for yourself in the to achieve whatever you define as success. Yeah, I used to think it was when, you know, I made the money and kind of, you know, shut everybody up, quote unquote. <laughs> and then I realized that wasn't the right thing. Um, so now I would say, especially now after dropping my project, this is, I'm the most successful I've felt. I probably have probably the equivalent of financially where I was before mm -hmm. I started. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But uh, because I invest in myself, but to know now that my music is in the world and people can hear me, mm -hmm. my voice, my songs, the way I want it to release them, it is pretty powerful. That's success to me. And the fact that my son is well and on his own journey mm -hmm. trying to find himself, um, he's here. You know, I yeah. think the simple things, I think yeah, focusing on the simple things are more important to me today. So let's talk about this album. Um, so, A, how would you call it? Like, I, I, I was looking, I was like, oh, I don't know how to read this. What, what, how do you refer to your um, first album? Well, I would call it 111. 111 is one of my favorite numbers. Um, it is the number that, as I've seen it everywhere I go, that's the number that stands out. And it's funny that today is 111. It is. I know. It's weird. <laughs> it's like the fates aligned. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, five years ago, I said, 111, 2020 will be my wedding day. And so I guess this is kind of not it but it is <laughs> <laughs> this, would, uh, this would be a surprise to me if this is actually going to be a wedding <laughs> there's a wedding on this episode but I've been laughing with my with my road manager all morning I'm like it's my wedding day it's my wedding day and I woke up feeling that way but I think it is it's synchronistic I mean there's something something you know is going to be big but you don't know what it is yeah. so I've been following this number for a while and so 111 when I put it in to uh, I think TuneCore to release my music. I didn't like how the one 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 looked, mm. so it ended up being I I I. Yeah. And then after I released it, I realized how do I tell people what this is called? But then when you realize I I I Majesty, that's pretty powerful too. The Trinity and all the things yeah. that we, you know, we think about the number three being the you know just the, the triangle being the strong. Even my yeah. my logo is a triangle. I didn't even realize all of this. So I think it all comes together. And like I always say, God is always in it. So. We could plan and pre-plan, but mm -hmm. it'll always come out the way it's supposed to. Yeah, that's the beauty of a title like that is you, you can allow the listener, the person who's approaching it, to sort of put onto it whatever they want. And I think that's sometimes the best art, whether it's visual, whether it's um, completely through your ears. If you can approach it and map onto it what your vision or what your interpretation, I think that's the best kind that can <laughs> is not so straightforward, right? Um, Absolutely. It's a big surprise for me. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny because also talking about the fates aligning, today is like the warmest day I've ever had in January. It's like approaching 60 degrees. Isn't so that crazy in January? I know. So maybe there's something special about 111. Who knows? See? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, we obviously have uh, listeners from all different age ranges. Um, and I, when I think about music, I, you know, I think about how um, central the album was, particularly after the 60s when, you know, Sgt. Pepper's came out and this idea of an album being a thing mm -hmm. as opposed to just a collection of singles. 
Um, I'm wondering how how did that influence you when you're thinking of creating an album? Was it was it more than just creating the songs for it? Were you tr- were you trying to tell a story? Were you trying to put a, a sort of theme through all the songs? Like how did you approach the idea of the album? Well, the thing is, it's only three songs, so someone would, yeah. would call it an an EP. But yeah, because yeah. of the way it's put together, it's kind of once again aligning. Um, is how I started coming back to my roots, the instrumental. I wanted to include the instrumentals. I wanted to include the, include the acapellas, and then to go even further, I actually included the official show tracks because mm-hmm. I wanted p- other creators to be able to create with it. Because, um, and that's an experience I think I haven't. Um, I've never had an album where I can hear the show track also, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool because a lot of people like my music. They like my songs. And it's like, well, now you can rehearse. If you're a vocalist, you can do my song over it. If you're a producer, you can produce a new track to the acapella. If you're a writer, you can rewrite the song to an instrumental. So I, I wanted to put something in the hands of the creator. Mm-hmm. We're going to listen to Songwriting and Producing 101. So for the listeners and for me, what is a show track? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You know, a show track is when you're about to go do a, a set, to do a show, um, and um, they include the background vocals. Uh, so it's the instrumental, and then there's, you know, all my background yeah. vocals, all my, yeah, yeah, whatever's yeah, in the yeah, background, yeah. <laughs> all the vocals. I don't usually use um, background singers. Some people use background singers. Mm-hmm. So imagine the background singers already being pre-recorded, and they're available there. Wow. Okay, so when you perform, do you do you perform alone? Do you is it are you part? Do you have a group with you? Like this is all new to me, so I'm trying to like I love this it. Out. I can see it in your eyes. Yeah, I know. Like, I look what like, is happening? I'm like a deer. Like, what is going on here? <laughs> um, when I I love a band. Okay, I'll perform without a band, mm-hmm. but I love a band. Um, that's been really really fun to just get with different musicians and have that experience with them because I'm not a music. I don't play any instruments. Mm-hmm. So to get in a room with people who play instruments and who have that energy, a certain energy that come with musicians. And so being on stage and you can feel that drum hit yeah. and you can kind of, you know, a keyboardist will, we practice one way, but then mm-hmm. they'll get up there and they'll feel the spirit and they kind of go. Sometimes it works, sometimes it, <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. But it's uh, when you got all these beautiful energies mm-hmm. being spontaneous on stage together, I love it. Yeah. Um, so lovely because it's only three songs. Do you mind if we walk through each song, just talk a little bit about what the meaning is behind them and maybe play a small clip from yeah, each sounds one? Sounds great. Um, do you have a preference which um, song you want to start with? Um, I'll go in order sure. because the way the songs are put together. Uh, the first song, uh, Take Me to the Moon. Sure. Um, you want to talk about you want to talk about it first? Yeah, sure. First? Yeah. Okay. Well, Take Me to the Moon, I don't know. Like, when I first heard the track, it kind of just came out that way, mm-hmm. Take Me to the Moon. And a lot of times I think about I want to get away. I remember just mm-hmm. even living in the area and just working at Wendy's and sitting on the ground and looking up at the sky saying, get me out of here. Yeah. You know, take me, where else do I belong? And I think we all have that moment. So Take Me to the Moon, it could be relationship or it can be asking God or for a vision or something mm-hmm. to say, you know, let's go somewhere. Let's have a new experience. Let's have a great journey. Let's, yeah. let's do this. Yes, let's hear a little clip. Take me to the moon. Take me to the moon. The song has sort of a, a lunar quality to it, right? It sounds like you're almost already there as you're trying to envision yourself going mm. somewhere, right? Absolutely. Um, what's it like to, like, so writing a song like that, what, what, how does it come together? Is it just, like, does it pop into your head out of nowhere, or is it a longer process to get to there? I used to always say, if the walls aren't singing, then I'm just a regular, I'll be just like you. Mm-hmm. 
and you say you're not a music person, but that's how I always look at it. Um, the music inspires me. When I hear a track, it, it, it catches me. So I was able to um, develop a relationship with a guy named Calvin Mirage mm-hmm. uh, in Virginia Beach, and his sound, him taking the time to figure out what I was trying to do and me trying to figure out what he wanted to do, it really helped me find my vision and, and lay the, the basis for me to be able to express because my the way it comes to me, it just comes to me. But if the track, and that was a problem when I when I became at the top of my career, quote unquote, um, or the top of the charts, I should say, um, the tracks I was receiving, they didn't have that lunar quality. They didn't have that energy of being from somewhere else. It had energy of being what everything else was. And I know I'm different mm-hmm. from everything else. You know what I mean? So I had to spend time to find and cultivate my sound, my own confidence, and then find a producer that could match that energy. Wow. Um, so what's the next song um, we're going to hear from? Um, the next song we'll do is called All Away. And this song was cool because <laughs> it was the one that said, okay, I think you should go be an artist now. Because mm-hmm. when I look at the songs, it's like I wasn't really, with Take Me to the Moon, it wasn't really for me to be an artist. It was really, I was trying to sell it <laughs> to mm-hmm. Estelle or something. I was still in that songwriter yeah. artist. I don't know what I want to do. But All Away was kind of like, when I did it, it was like, okay, I think you should do your first show. So we went and got a band, and we had a great show. Nice. <laughs> so it's called All Away. I just won $100 million, so I can send my son away to college, so I can ride it now where we about to mileage. So I can finally pay my freaking stylist. I just wanna buy my mama a private house on a private island. So I'ma need a hundred fifty thousand more thousand. I went to pull out it. So everybody at the church can see that she's styling. She blessed she wildin'. I love that opening lyric um, only because it's, you know, you don't expect that sometimes in songs to talk mm-hmm. about something so close to home, like, you know, sending your son to college. How much does does family and, um, you know, making sure your your family, your 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 son, um, um, that their success, how much is their success intertwined with your success? I think it's very much intertwined. I don't think I, I don't think anyone can have pure happiness if their family is unstable. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another thing I learned. And I tried to buy happiness. So I think that first, the first round, I tried to, um, you know, to make sure everyone was good, their bills were paid, or this mm-hmm. was that. And the song, that's how the song kind of is cool. It starts off with about the financial. I just want a hundred million thousand dollars. But in mm-hmm. actuality, the next part goes into I just want to take a small vacation yep. because my mental has to be right first. My piece, uh, even their piece. I mean. We, we, we evolve. And then at the end of it, where the hook comes in is I just want to give it all away because in actuality, I don't need any of it. If I was at peace, which peace is ours right now, if yeah. we want to take it, right? But if I'm at peace right today, all is well. Yeah, you preempted a question, Mike, because I was, I was going to ask you, because the song does have that kind of a lyrical arc mm-hmm. where you go from concern about your family to self-care. And I'm wondering how important is self-care? <laughs> like I know it sounds kind of like like a stupid question, but like you kind of sometimes forget about it, right? It's the perfect question because that's that is the evolution of life. I think we we start off with this, gotta get it, gotta get it, gotta get it, and then we realize, oh snap, I got it, but where am I? Yeah. You know, you lose yourself. I lost myself for a long time. Even now, being back, I've been back in the area since right before Christmas, and I'm I just want to sleep, and I'm like I feel guilty for sleeping, but I'm like no. I probably need to recuperate mm-hmm. from everything I've been through <laughs> over yeah. the last 20 years. I probably need to just take a moment, like have my mom make me some good food and mm-hmm. just have a seat. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's really, it, this reminds me of, not to bring up another artist, but I, um, in, uh, at, at the end of the, 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 the year, I did this like top 10 of the decade list. Mm-hmm. And one of the songs I put was um, Avicii's um, um, Wake Me Up, mm-hmm. which is all about that kind of idea of, of finding um, self-care yeah. Um, and, and understanding because there's this, it's a cheesy lyric, but I actually think it's very profound of this, 
you know, I was, um, as I was looking for myself, I didn't know I was lost, mm-hmm. right? And that this song make me think, makes me think about that, like sort of looking outward and saying, I have all these commitments and important things in my life, but where am I? Where do I fit in that? Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. And I'm wondering, like, are these things in conflict for you or are they just, you know, you sort of, are you able to figure it out? Are you able to find that kind of happy um, space where you're able to manage yourself, but also your obligations to friends and family, but also your professional career? It's tricky because I'm a giver. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I just want to give, give, give my time, my energy, my love, my all of this. But um, I think there's a kind of a stigma put on sleeping <laughs> mm-hmm. where I would like to break that a little bit. Um, I actually enjoy, I, you know, a lot of times when we're sleeping, we're getting in downloads and I don't know how much you believe in all of that, yeah. but just energetic, spiritual downloads where we take in all this information, but just like a computer, we have to kind of process it. Yeah. And if, if I don't give myself time to process it, how can I be better at the next wave of technology or energy that needs to hit the planet? Yeah. I have to be ready. Um, to be a conduit for uh, change and mm-hmm. everything that's coming up, coming from a higher place. Yeah, I, I'm not so much a spiritual person, especially in a city that is very spiritual mm-hmm. in, in its own way. But I do like I like using analogies like computers. Like you know, your IT person will tell you you need to shut down your computer each night to clear out the cache, right? <laughs> to, to make sure that all the stuff are um, all the programs get rebooted and 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 refreshed because yeah. you can't just keep running. I, I've used a computer which was on for like 20 days and you're like, things are not working. Yeah. You know, it's, everything's slower. Everything's a little bit foggier and muddier. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether you're an artist, whether you work, I mean, I was a lawyer for a while. There's always um, a fetish, I think, almost uh, around like always be working. And it's just like, and if you're sleeping, you're not pushing your career forward. But people don't understand that like when you're at rest, whether it's sleeping or, or, or just like sitting down and looking mm-hmm. at the world. I think that's how ideas come in. Do you feel the same way? Or? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's it's so important, and we do. We we did grow up in this whole era of can't stop, won't stop. It's like, nah, bro, you got to stop. But you have to. You have to, yeah. and you and you watch people who burn themselves out. And I've found that I'm very blessed. I I mm-hmm. feel very extremely blessed because being home, I got I get to see people wake up in the morning. The same routine. They yeah. go to work all day, and they come home, and then some people have children, and they have childcare, and then they got driving. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how do you do this? So I think it's important. I think I understand that everyone's life is different, everyone's path is different, but I I have to appreciate the path that I've been handed in a mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Um, because mine isn't like that. It's more of look at the world. You know, look at what's going on. Pay attention. You know, how are the stars aligned today? Mm-hmm. How does it make you feel today? Mm-hmm. Because my job is going to be more so, you know, process all of this and then put it in a song, put it in a speech, put it in something that can help people for years and years and lifetimes to come. Yeah. Do you think that helps you connect also to your audience? Um, like, I understand it's a very personal thing, but do they relate to that? Do you Absolutely. Yeah. When I hit the stage, most people will say that um, it's an energy. They can feel my energy before mm-hmm. I get there. So keeping my energy right. Yeah. It's so important, you know. Um, I'm also a hugger. I'm known for my. <laughs> I'm no. I didn't get to hug you yet. Yeah, I know. I give you a proper handshake. Yeah, she gave me like... a handshake. I was like, I'll go. <laughs> I'll go with it. Um, but I'm a hugger, and I've realized a lot of times that when I hug my fans and things like that, mm-hmm. it's a transfer. We we have an experience, um, and so I like to be available mm-hmm. for that. Um, I think it goes a long way because I want to be able to give people that feeling that it's yeah. okay. Yeah. So when you finish a show, do you actually approach fans afterwards or do you find yourself like kind of div- like s- sapped of the energy that you bring to the stage or are you really tired after a show? Uh, no, no, we're pretty hype. Um, usually I'm the last person to go, okay. <laughs> which yeah. is no. cool. And we shut down the show and it's fun. And I, I mean, they invigorate me. They mm-hmm. give me life, you know, yeah. so I'm able to give more. I think one time I, I did a uh, I did a breakout session like a um, oh, wow. a panel. I spoke on a panel before the show and mm-hmm. that I won't do. I don't think I'll do that again um, because before a show I need to process. Yeah. I need to take my downtime. Yeah. And I did that and someone was going through something really heavy and I gave them a hug and oh. it was like. They just dumped it all on me. I could feel them just like take all my problems, and I'm like, no. It's it's it's, it's like <laughs> taking your phone out right right before the show, and it's like you're on 
3% emotional <laughs> battery, right? It was <laughs> like, really, my team whisked me away. I mean, you would if if you would have seen it, it was like it was like the president leaving, you know, Obama leaving. Um but having a bunch of people around me just like, "Are you okay?" and I'm just like, "I need to sit. They're trying to feed me, trying to give me water. We're yeah. just I needed time." Yeah. You know what I mean to just re ground myself, collect nice. myself, and that's very important to protect your energy, especially before a show. I, I, I did learn that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about this third song. Uh, what's the name and what's it about? Oh, the third one is called True, and this is the most Jersey song I have. Hey, because when I, I love Lauren Hill, I love mm. Queen Latifah, I love Rod Digger, like, yeah. I came up in the 90s, so mm-hmm. the vibe, I mean, the women ran it around here you know what i mean they always did oh come on this is so (laughs) beautiful so when i when i did this song it was just like me saying yeah i'm from jersey Mm -hmm. yeah it's called true one time for the get down I don't know how a lot of our listeners access the podcast. Some, I imagine, are in speakers, are in earbuds. But there's something about having over-the-ear headphones and letting the sound kind of embrace you. Um, and what I love is the bass riff, too. It, it sort of creates that that sort of foundation upon mm-hmm. which everything else builds. Um, and um, I, I think it's just amazing. I, it's funny because I was when I came in, I was talking to my sound engineer about, like, I'm in the market for headphones. And I'm trying to think, you know, how do you create that nice oral experience in your ears? Um, how important is that actually for you? Like, how how do you? What's the best way do you think to access your mu- music? Is it live? Is it um, the studio recordings? You know, via headphones, via speaker. Like, what do? You, how would you suggest your fans listen to music? Oh, definitely. Over. I love over the head. Yeah. <laughs> Earphones. I don't think I've ever had buds. Like, I, I I get it. Yeah. Even when um you know back in the day when the Walkman was out, I would always go to Radio Shack. <laughs> Explain to the kids what a Walkman <laughs> is for those who don't know. <laughs> Um, a Walkman, yeah. So you'd have this thing um, that you put in this other thing. <laughs> These little like plastic um, rectangles you'd stick into. <laughs> wow, how do you even explain that? Oh we carried God. around a box. You know, it's like carrying around three cigarette boxes in your yeah. pocket. You know, <laughs> and you can listen to like what five, four songs, and then you have to flip. You got to flip it, and you got to rewind it. I was actually gonna release this on cassette. I probably really? still will. There's still people making cassettes. They're, cassettes are they outsold? Uh, CDs. CDs. Wow. Yeah, I think yeah. So oh, vinyl, I think I think probably vi- I think vinyl might be the, vinyl still the biggest that, seller. And because yeah, but cassettes are are like they're coming back. And a vi- lot of I have a thirteen year old niece. Shout yeah. out to Christine. She loves cassette. Like I mean, like they love it. They yeah, they well, want to know. So I'm I'm guilty right here. So I tend to complain about older people saying. So you'll get this thing that happens, and this happened with a, a celebrity to me, who was like talking about this famous thing and was like. Um, I, I don't want to say because I want to give away who it is, but she was like, oh, I bet you don't know who that is. I'm like, please. And I love her. I'm like, we young people listen to the classics. We don't come in and it's just like, it's all 
you know, yeah. th- someone made a joke last night, like, we're all post-millennials. <laughs> we're just, like, <laughs> existing in this, like, new world. But, like, we do listen to the traditional yeah. classics. We do listen to the old ways of listening to music. Yeah. If you come to my apartment, I have a ridiculous amount of vinyl records that I play, right? And it's both new stuff and old stuff. Um, and I'm wondering, like, um, just, like, I-, I-, I was a little bit guilty here talking about, like, do kids know what cassettes are? They do. Like, they, they, they do. see these things. They're not completely lost. They do, they yeah. do, and they like it, and they think it's like it's like a vintage thing. To yeah, them. it's beautiful. Yeah, and it's also like I mean I hate when people complain about like we live in a digital world and everything's crazy now, but sometimes you do want to escape into the the old ways. There's something you know kind of sexy. And it sounds different. Yeah, the sound is different. When I first uh, had my music and I and I put it I put it on cassette, had a CD and I burned. Mm-hmm. I did the whole old school boombox thing. And I put, oh wait, you put like the you played it and like had your boombox record the I had sound. The CD. I put the CD into the boombox yeah. and hit record on the cassette. So that records the... Clever. That's how I used to record yeah, my yeah. albums from Brush. I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and then I took that and then I had a little Walkman and I played the cassette and oh my goodness. Wow. I mean, you get that little shh sound. Yeah. And the, the quality is terrible, but it sounds awesome. Yeah. No, it reminds me of this. is very popular on YouTube like a year ago or two years ago, but... Um, this idea of like looking for new sound experiences. So um, people, I think they actually do this in a studio, but it sounds like they did this live. Well, they'll play like classic songs in empty malls. There's like mm. a great, if you go on onto YouTube, there's Africa playing in an empty mall and there's something profound and existential about that experience. I've been, I've been in the Newport mall getting out of a movie theater and like just the, 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 the they're still playing the music they usually play in the yeah. mall, but there's no one there. Right, and that's a kind of like a new sound. And I'm thinking of this when you record from a CD to a cassette, you still get that kind of fuzzy, it's so good. little like um, static almost. It was so satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I would do that. I would probably go and like set up tables and like yeah. just let people hear it in different ways and choose how yeah. they want to purchase. That that'd be cool. Um, just a quick note, like we talked about old forms. Um, let's talk about classics. Like, who do you look to for inspiration from the old schools, right, of music? If you don't mind me asking, I mean... Oh, no, that's fine. I love... Okay, so to go way back, yeah. I love, like, big band, like, oh. singers and standards. I love, like, the Sinatra stuff. And then I found yeah. out Quincy Jones behind well, a lot of things that I loved. Take I me was, to the moon, right? Like, me, right, and then fly me to the moon. Right, me so the moon, yeah. it's, be- it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Like, I love that old school. But then, you know, as far as when I came up, I mean, it's hands down. Lauren Hill, mm-hmm. the Fugees did it for yep. me. They they represented you know kind of where I was where I saw myself uh, Jackson Five the Christmas album so you have the first mm. the first picture there you got the young Michael Jackson yeah, yeah. that was it for me too because I realized there's a difference um, between singers I mean you can have five singers in a group but there's that one that their voice can break through and I think that's when I was younger I learned that Michael Jackson had this thing. And it's like, what is that? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So between them, uh, Luther Vandross. My mom, I grew up on Luther. Oh, Vandross. Luther Vandross. Yeah. Come on, you gotta know. Anyway. It, it's funny because like um, I've been like I'm a big Broadway musical kind of person, mm-hmm. and a musical that we don't talk about enough, I think, is The Wiz, which Luther Vandross had a very heavy hand in, in nice. making. And I find that's actually a very, very good musical compared to, you know, other stuff. But like, yeah. I'm starting to come back, come into Luther Vandross, who I never really had listened to when I was a kid. Um, yeah. But actually, speaking of going cross genre, so I grew up in a household where, like, the pro- like my parents are European immigrants, so like I grew up with a certain set of music. And I'm wondering, um, do you look to other genres outside of R and B, rap, hip hop? Like, you know, you mentioned big band music, Frank Sinatra. Um, yeah. Are there any other genres you take inspiration from? That's the crazy thing. When I was here, you know, Hot 97 was, you know, every day, every day that's my word, yeah. you know. And at some point, I moved to Bloomfield, yep. okay, as a teenager. So when I got there, I actually switched my dial, I'll be honest, to Z100, and I heard uh, No Doubt. Oh. And I was like, oh, snap. Yeah. You know, so Don't Speak. And then there was another song, the Love Me, Love Me, Save Me. The Cardigans. Yeah. That's Cardigans. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. my God. When I heard yeah. this, this is when my life changed, yeah, okay? Yeah. Because that's when I realized that music, and I think that's why even with a song like Ponder Replay was able to cross genres because yeah. I learned at that age that, okay, there's hip-hop, then there's pop music, and that's different. Because earlier on, there wasn't really that yeah, yeah. that blend where you can kind of say, I'm into this. Like when MTV first came out, I was like, mm-hmm. what is this? I can't listen to this. Yeah. But then I learned that, yeah, there are other things and other sounds. And I started to explore a lot more. I fell in love with Pink, even though that's considered uh, uh, R&B. But when is she it? did her own oh, album, 
her first album was, but her second album, Misunderstood, mm-hmm. it just opened my ears up because then you had um, Linda Perry, I think, produced a lot of that. Mm-hmm. So getting a lot of that energy in there, too. So that was that was cool. Yeah. It's funny. when you Going back to the first song you mentioned, Don't Speak, that's one of those like heavy hitters. Yeah. <laughs> it makes you feel like, like you yeah. were hit by a bat. Exactly. Um, and then Meatloaf, you know, I would do anything for love. Come on. Yeah. So funny thing. I like, won't I, do me- that. <laughs> so Meatloaf um, <laughs> is a bit of a controversial figure, but what I love is the guy who actually writes the music is not Meatloaf. There's another guy there yeah. who's just absolutely brilliant. There's a, the first album that they did together was um, Bad Out of Hell, which okay. is, um, that the that song, um, I Would Do Anything for Love is a 90s release, but they had mm-hmm. this like late 70s album full of these amazing songs that harken back to the old school, like 50s, yeah. 60s, like Wall of Sound and like, you know, cl- you know, heavy emphasis on the electric guitar kind of music. Mm-hmm. Um, those are kind of the kind of albums I could list, listen to for hours on yeah. end um, because I'm also looking for like the different levels within music, like the little, right. you can f- your brain is like kind of hard to take in everything at once, but when you follow a certain track, I kind of find that yeah. really cool to do. And I do that with that, with that, their music in particular. I always laugh when people ask me about music because I'm like, I'm not someone who listened to a lot of music growing up and even mm-hmm. now. Um, but it's funny because I get to explore and I'll find things and I'm like, Shazam, mm-hmm. you know, so Shazam is saving me in that way. Just because I don't think maybe I was just born to just have my own sound or style because I don't really get influenced too much by other things. It was really, like I said, the Fugees yeah. just said, hey, that's that's it right there. Whatever yeah. that is, let's do that. <laughs> Wait, quick question. Do you stream or do you have your own library of music? Both. Both. Okay. Yeah. I, I actually don't stream at all myself. And people made fun of This actually happened last night. I was made fun of for maintaining. I have a 5,000 song library and I'm just like, I collect the music and I like having it all there yeah. and for some reason streaming just never I, I'm always like a, an oddball but like mm-hmm. it never came to me because I, I like this idea of having to explore and access and bring it into this kind of like you know when you have a wall of books in your home you kind of feel safe and surrounded right I don't right. know if you have that kind of similar experience or well, not I mean it's been cool just like I said to switch to have the Apple Music have my library yeah, but yeah. then to also take one of the songs I like from there and then to go ahead and switch that over to uh let's create a station because mm-hmm. now I can create mm-hmm. a station for what I like and then I find a lot more stuff that way and even one thing I will I will shout out Janelle Monet open my oh, ears yeah. up to a whole nother vibe because I thought music should be one way and then I heard what she was doing. I was like, oh, okay, you can do anything mm. you want to do. As an long actress. As, <laughs> yeah, and just be, just the way, the songwriting, especially in the Arc Android, was just so yeah. uh, next level to me. So yeah. I fell in love with it. Actually, speaking of different forms, um, we talked about MTV. Do you, have you thought about doing music videos, or is that completely dead genre at this point? Thought about doing music videos, yeah. absolutely. I don't know if I want to do more animation or more abstract, like because mm-hmm. creatively, I'm not a visual visual person. Okay. You know, like my road manager Fallon is saying, like she loves music videos. I was telling her the other day, I'm like, you love videos so much, you mm. should probably direct my because I don't, I just haven't seen enough of them. Well, late lately, of course, we all grew. I grew up watch. I mean, addicted to BET yeah. and MTV and watching mm-hmm. videos, but now as I've gotten, oh, you know, it's just kind of like, ah. Eh. I don't know what it should be or what it could be, but I'm open. I'm yeah. just, you know, I'm always spiritually guided. So sometimes I'll get in my head too much. And I'm like, I don't know. I'll change mm-hmm. my mind the next day. So Yeah, obviously it's a lot of work, but it gets me a little afraid because I look back at these old music videos, even from the 2000s, you know, mm-hmm. Lady Gaga had a bunch of great ones. Um, and, I, and I keep thinking, this is such a cool thing to do. And it just seems to have kind of like fallen apart. Maybe I'm missing out. Maybe I'm not looking at the right ones. I mean, I know yeah. Billie Eilish has the bad guy video was actually pretty like talked about a lot and it's being yeah. very important um but i don't know is do you, do you find that you look at two music videos still or you just keep you keep it to your ears i keep it to my ears yeah. the one thing i'm excited about though i i will say this i've been wanting to do like a live performance mm-hmm. video oh, like yeah. back in the, the old day. school ones on, yeah you know what i'm saying like so i want to yeah. set up i want to get like the coolest band i could yeah. find and kind of do like this little like you know tiny desk type vibe thing just where it's a room and mm. then we set it up and it's theatrical maybe you know a kid goes by on a bike and you're like hey here we <laughs> so are is. you know <laughs> where it's more cool yeah. it's more i can connect because i'm so spiritually driven mm-hmm. that i want to be kind of you know in the energy of something and sharing mm-hmm. something that is um real yeah there's an honesty to that right yeah, yeah. like i'm not the i might want to be the cool guy with my hands in the camera like yeah, mm. yeah. nothing wrong with that but yeah. i don't you know 
not you know not really necessary not for the kind of music I'm doing yeah. if anything hiring great actors and keeping the art intact <laughs> that's why even coming back here being able to incorporate maybe find some high schools and some kids or a band or something yeah. and just put it together that that means a lot more to me like with uh, Quincy Jones and Tevin Campbell you know with the Tomorrow song like yeah. stuff like that means a lot to me actually speaking of coming back like this is a little not music related but I'd love to hear your thoughts like what's it like to look at Newark now where it is now obviously we haven't hit an end point yet mm-hmm. no, I don't think we ever will but like does it feel like a different city is it still the same city or is it just getting weirder I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I like the merge honestly the first thing I noticed yeah. because I was so in and out was the airport I was like okay what uh-huh. happened here yeah. this is cool one of the nicest airports to come to or go out of mm-hmm. which I thought was really cool and then just this last time when I flew in and we drove through and I'm like what mm-hmm. it's like lately I'm like what is this like we already knew when the when the devils came I knew that was going to be something yeah. NJ Pack was I think early so I was like I didn't really fall for it I'm like that's yeah. cool but let's see what else they're going to do but to see it coming together now I mean I'm amazed like I actually was looking at oh well what address is this like would I really live in Newark again like would I do mm-hmm. this again but it, it whatever's happening is is bringing me to that that point where I'm 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 interested yeah. in what's going on here and so I'm excited uh even with principal cook uh with the uh was that west side uh high school oh okay and what he's yeah. doing I yeah. mean just making international news you know what I'm saying yeah like oh just, with the with the washing machines right that's where you're, uh, yeah, yeah and just everything even when yeah. Mark Zuckerberg put the money into Newark it's like there, when things happened yeah, yeah. and kind of get your ears raising like well why yeah. is everyone's doing these things in Newark okay well am I missing something yeah. like uh you know should I come back and mm. do something um and I had started a school in Virginia Beach and even now I'm like oh that's right why did I do like not why did I do that but why didn't I come back here to do it? Or at least now feeling like this might be the right time for me to return and, and get involved. I mean, they've got land for lease for like a dollar yep. if you get a nonprofit together. Yep. So it's just my eyes are open and the fact that it's my wedding day today and I'm here, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm here with you. I just feel like there's something here in Newark that I should be looking at. Yeah, okay. you got to come back for your five-year anniversary. <laughs> right. Getting, I'm getting married to the streets. <laughs> Well, it's like, it's like, um, uh, um, okay, bear with me, historical reference, Manny, watch out. Um, so Venice, every year until the Republic ended in 1792, would have a wedding with the sea. That's how important the sea was with them. So they would have a full-on boat wedding where the the leaders of the city would come and would actually throw a ring into the ocean and marry themselves to the sea. It's a crazy thing that they did. Um, it was a big celebration. It was a big to-do. And it was, every year they did it. Um, or it's like Queen Elizabeth herself married herself to England because she would refuse to get married to a man. Oh, I love right? this. Right, this idea that you can marry a concept or a thing. As it's opposed my wedding to- <laughs> day. <laughs> I'm getting married. To- and look, I got my shirt on. And this is the SOB Airwave Collective, which is the name of my yeah. label. Right? But the idea is that we were, we landed, we crash landed somewhere. All of us did. I crash landed in Newark, New Jersey. Metaphorically. Yeah. No one well, got, <laughs> I just want to make sure no one landed in a plane. No, we crash landed, you know, somewhere and yeah. I crash landed here. Yeah, yeah. You know, God placed me here, you know, and I think that's a beautiful thing. And I just, I love that idea that we were born here with a purpose on a certain date with certain initials and certain special numbers. And we have this purpose yeah. in our lives you know yeah that's a cool way to think of your birthday like your actual day of birth as a the, your first crash landing I crash, right literally right Hello. into it we're here you're born screaming and like you're like what is going on <laughs> right like what what and Newark, new jersey was the place i mean that will yeah. never change yeah. you know so and i and i didn't realize how proud i was of being from Newark until mm-hmm. i released my project and people asking where you're from i'm like yeah. i always say jersey but yeah. <laughs> you know now with all of this it's like no i was born in Newark, new jersey my family is from here my mom grew yeah. up in Newark. my dad grew up in Newark. my grandmother had a church in Newark. Yeah. like you know um even my aunt was a part of i don't know if you remember uh, there's a woman who uh, passed away with PSENG with mm. the uh, her electricity got cut off. Oh was, yes, I heard about this. Yeah, that's yeah, actually yeah. my aunt. You know, oh, I'm saying sorry, so. I'm it's sorry. right here in New Jersey. So I think with Linda's law and everything going on with my family, I just feel like I belong oh, that's here. The, the law that they're passing in the legislature Linda, where you yeah. can't you get you have to give 90 days notice. I think I heard about yeah, this before you like can that, cut yeah. off electricity. Absolutely. Wow. So uh, I'm here as yeah. a representative representative of all of that. I just yeah. want to be back home. It feels good to be home. Yeah. I don't want to give you short shrift because you do talk about this in your TED talk if you just want to do a quick minute on the school in Virginia Beach that you just 
mentioned yeah. in passing. I would love to hear about that. <laughs> well, I started thinking Dream Little Dreamer and yeah. Dream City University. Mm-hmm. It was kids. We got together with a bunch of kids and asked them what their dream was and did everything we could to try to help them get to that point. Um, you know, with shows, mm-hmm. performance. A lot of times I realized that kids just needed to feel they belonged somewhere yeah. and feel like um, they can look themselves in the eye, mm-hmm. in the mirror. I yeah. mean, that was a huge thing. You know, kids wanted to be, they come in, I want to be a celebrity. But then it's like, well, can you look yourself in the eye, yeah. in the mirror, and talk to yourself and say, I love you? Yeah. And those were some of the hardest things for those kids to do. But they ended up uh, touring and doing big things and putting music together and we had a studio, a stage, and photography. It was nice. really cool. Um, along that line, um, we do have some high schoolers who do listen to the show. Um, just advice in general, um, both in you know going into the professional music industry, but also with life. Do you have anything, any lessons you've learned that you want to share, <laughs> or, uh, or advice in general? Know who you are. Uh-huh. I think it's important to be genuinely who you are. Like, don't try to be someone else. Don't try to be cool because what's cool today probably won't be cool tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and love yourself. Start with the mirror exercise. Look in the mirror directly in your eyes and say, I love you. Mm. And say your name out loud. Like, yeah. I love you, Alicia. That was the hardest thing. You know, Majesty is a character, you know, but to go back to my roots and say, I love you. Yeah. That's a tough one. And most parents, I mean, I, I did it with the kids, and then the parents would come in the room. I'm like, okay, your turn. And the parents were like, no, 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 I paid my money. I'm going home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like it's so important that we find self-love and know that we came here with a purpose and for a reason, and we're special. Wow. So I would say you're special. Do your thing the way you do it. Nice. Um, so this is how we wrap up every episode of the show. Um, what are you excited about in Newark? I'm ex- oh my gosh. There's a new energy here. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it has just to do with the new buildings going up. I think there's just a new energy. So I'm excited about the rebirth of a of a city that was always great. Um I'm excited about me being a part of it mm-hmm. also and meeting all the young people. And yeah. all the people who, all the older people, I'm I'm excited about everybody. I'm excited to come back. Um, honestly, uh, I'm just excited. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. So for my what what I'm excited for, it's it's hard. I mean, it's uh, you know after this, we're recording this after Christmas and after the holiday season, so there's not much going on. It gets a little slow around here, but you know, just I love taking it in. I love walking. I don't talk enough about how much I just walk around the city. I want mm-hmm. more people to walk around it. I feel a lot of people drive through it. Yeah. Um, which I think is a bit of a problem um, because it makes us a very car-oriented city, even though we're still pretty tight and we're mm-hmm. still like an actual city where you can walk around. So um, my advice for people is, you know, walk in, you know, obviously be safe and, and think about your surroundings and, you know, make sure you're not just looking up at the sky and walking into the middle of the street, <laughs> as some people I've seen do in this city. Um, but, you know, I, I want people to take ownership of the streets, of the sidewalks, of the land around here and just, you know, you, you'd be amazed how much inspiration you can draw when you're just walking around looking at buildings, looking at people, and just taking it all in and letting your feet go wherever. I mean, people think I'm crazy, but I, I will do this walk, you know, every once in a while, maybe every month or so, where I walk all the way to North Arlington and back. It'll take you about two hours. Um, and it's just exciting because you, you see new things. When you drive past something, you're not looking. Yeah. You're, you're, you're looking on the road, you're looking ahead, you're looking at your lights. Um, but when you're walking, you, you, you stop and you notice a statue or you notice uh, you know, some flowers that were there that weren't there before, maybe some cool graffiti or wall art that you yeah. didn't see before. Yeah. So I suggest people kind of, you know, walk and look around. Um, so that's it for this episode. I want to thank our guest, uh, Majesty. Um, oh, actually, before, sorry, I'm going to stop in the middle of credits. Where can I'm going to put this in our show notes, mm-hmm. but where can people find you on social media, online? Um, where can they access your music as well? Yeah, Majesty.com. Mm-hmm. Um, that's M-J-E-S-T-I-E. Also, follow me on Instagram at Majesty, M-J-E-S-T-I-E. And you can follow me on all platforms, I-I-I, Majesty. And uh, where can we access your music? All platforms. All platforms, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, this is for me. Like, I'm, I'm such a, like it's I said, so I don't cute. stream. I love it. I, 
I see you like all platforms. So yeah, Apple Music, Google Play, Amazon. Nice. You know, even YouTube. Check me out. And I, maybe I, a vinyl record, hopefully sometime. For we can like definitely me. do that, and I'll be around <laughs> doing show. I mean, I have to book some shows, so I definitely am looking available for booking. So I'm excited about what's to come. You know, we're here. Yeah. Um, so thank you. Um, this is Manny Antunes, host and producer of the Pod and Market podcast, editing and sound engineering by Bahid Frazier. Uh, podcast logo and design provided by Robert Conti. Additional creative input by Samantha Kateas. Pod intro and outro music by Dan Myler. If you have a subject you'd like to hear or discuss on the podcast, please email podandmarket at gmail.com or contact the pod through social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, so for the quote for this episode... Um, I normally don't talk about national politics on the show because I want to keep this somewhat local, although I think all politics are local and anything that happens at the national level affects us here at the local level. But it's a pretty crazy time. I'm not going to talk about the specifics because it's not worth talking about. But we all know it's a pretty crazy time. Um, and this we're, we're going through some weird stuff. Um, I think all times are weird, but this there's something unique about this weirdness. So I want to tap into a speech, just one paragraph of it, from 1979. It was given by... Um, um, Jimmy Carter. It's called the Crisis of Confidence speech. It didn't have a name when it came out, but he um, addressed the nation um, in the middle of the oil crisis, in the middle of um, all this craziness that was going on in the 70s. Um, and he told us what we didn't want to hear, um, which is a very hard thing to do as a politician. There's a, a sort of scene in this movie called 20th Century Women where they play this speech. Um, it's a great movie. I suggest you watch it. Where the speech finishes and um, it ends with someone in, in sitting on a couch in the, in the house with all these people watching it saying he's effed like, cause they, they knew the speech was, was, was a, was a, a speech that was saying the thing that no one wanted to hear. Mm. Um, and I think we live in a time where there's no, no one is willing to say the things we don't want to hear, but we kind of have to. So, um, and it's amazing. I, I suggest you listen to the whole speech. It's on, available on YouTube. But you could also read it if you want. Um, and I'll put a link to it in the, in the show notes. In a nation that was proud of hard work, strong families, close-knit communities, and our faith in God, too many of us now tend to worship self-indulgence and consumption. Human identity is no longer defined by what one does, but by what one owns. But we've discovered that owning things and consuming things does not satisfy our longing for meaning. We've learned that piling up material goods cannot fill the emptiness of lives which have no confidence or purpose. Thank you. <laughs>